Goodness, greetings, especially to you, my friend. Welcome, variants, by the water God. I am Peter Warren, and I invite you to spend another golden hour with me around the living waters of God's Word. I want to share today on a very important but badly neglected subject, rest and leisure. In my next message, we'll look at a bit of a Bible study at what the Scriptures say concerning the rest of God. Before we get into today's topic, let's just open in prayer. Our Father, we come to you. We thank you for this thing called rest. We thank you for this thing called leisure, ontspanning and rest. We pray, Lord, that you would come by your Holy Spirit now and highlight things we need to fix in our lives. We thank you that you teach us, you lead us to the truth, and the truth sets us free. So be glorified, Lord. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. So, rest and leisure. Human beings regularly need rest and refreshment. This is, in fact, one purpose of the Sabbath day. Jesus and his disciples had to take the time to get away from the hustle and bustle from the pressures of their daily tasks. We ought to use the leisure time that God gives us to refresh ourselves for the work to which God has called us. No matter what it is, whether it is hard physical labor or running a family or uh, heading up a business or ministering to other people, whatever it is, we need to use leisure time to prepare us for that. As important as physical rest is, so is spiritual rest. Spiritual rest is a sense of peace and calm that can be found in God alone and only in God when we turn to Him. The final rest for believers comes when they fall asleep in Jesus, in death. They then experience that communion and closeness with Jesus that far exceeds the communion experienced on earth, a heavenly rest, an eternal rest. So, physical rest, spiritual rest, and finally, eternal rest in Jesus after our passing. Let's look at physical rest. We have to work at getting our physical rest. This needs to be quality rest, quality time, not just wasted time. Time spent with a purpose and a plan. This rushed world does all that it can to rob us of our rest. If you don't manage your stress, beloved, your stress will manage you. Much of what steals our rest is greed-driven, like extra overtime every Sunday, like no annual vacation, like long work hours at the cost of our morning devotion time with God or at the cost of our other special times that we need. 
basically we need various types of off time, leisure time. All of them need to be quality time. Time spent with a purpose and a plan. Not just time spent and wasted. Invest into your relationships. We need me time. Me and God time. Me and my spouse time. Me and my family time. Your me time is just that. It's time for you to break away and do exactly what you want to do or not do. Reading a book, going to a movie, taking a long walk, listening to some of your favorite music on headphones, whatever. Quality time. Time well spent. Your me and God time is critical every morning. To hear God's voice early in the morning before you hear the enemy's voice later in the day. Give God the time. Let him develop it. In Isaiah 33, we read the story of when Nebuchadnezzar and God's people were under attack from the Assyrians. They drew strength from God for each day, meeting with him in the morning. In verse 2, Isaiah begs the Lord to be their arm every morning. There he is their intercessor and asks the Lord for what they need each day. And so should we. He asks for his daily support for them. For in that time of great need, they are dependent on his power. Without his power, they are powerless. That's it. The prayer, give us this day our daily bread, in Matthew 6, is then actual. The praying attitude of Isaiah is an example to us of the attitude we should have. It reads, Lord, be merciful to us. We wait for you. Give us strength each morning. Deliver us when distress comes. David had a habit of submitting his concerns to the Lord in the morning. Just one scripture, Psalm 5 at verse 3, Lord, in the morning you will hear me. In the morning I will present my case to you and then wait expectantly for an answer. You see, the Lord knows what's coming in your day and he has a strategy and plans and all that you need for it. Your me and my spouse time is very important to your marriage. You may never stop courting your spouse or flirting with your spouse or doing the things that originally won the heart of your spouse. In my 40 years of pastoring, I have encountered so many couples who just began to take their spouse for granted. And nobody wants to feel like that. Think back. What were those spontaneous things that you did? Ask your spouse if you can't remember. 
If you have stopped doing them, start again. Now, a date night at least every second week is essential. And they don't have to cost money, beloved. Invest and keep investing into this relationship of yours. Your me and family time is very, very important. It also has to be quality time. Think about your family, what trials and tests they are facing, what stress are they facing, what fears are they facing and encountering. Do you know how they manage their stress? Do you know? You need to know how you and your loved ones manage stress. We all differ. And then you, as the leader of the family or as the one that's hearing this message, then you can plan things to help your family. Quality time. You see, unmanaged stress will manage you. Some examples, stress builds in you and eventually you blow like a volcano. Or you get bitter and twisted inside. Or you cry for long hours all by yourself. Or you begin to become aggressive and say the wrong things and you hurt people. Or you look for escape in the wrong places, like the fridge, or the bottle store, or the drug pusher, or the mall, but a retail therapy. Basically, there are five ways to manage stress. I'm not an expert on this, but these five I know. You... Number one, you confront the person or the situation and you deal with it. Talk it out, talk it through, do what needs to be done. Number two, you go do something sweaty, like go to gym or go for a run or a walk. Number three, you use anything with a screen, like a TV binge or you watch YouTube vids or something like that. Number four, you escape to a quiet place with headphones, a book, whatever. Silence back into your life. Number five, you sleep. And in times of spiritual or emotional attack, sleep when you can, beloved, because you don't know when the next attack is coming and you need to stay alert. So, Those are five. One of them maybe fits you. Identify that and you'll be able to deal with your enemy called stress. So, beloved, how are you doing in this area of physical rest and leisure? Kom ons luister, is a bieke musiek en dan praat ons verder.
You are tuned to the Watering Hole. Welcome back on At Radio. My name is Peter Warren and we are looking today at the very important topic of rest and leisure. Rest and ontspanning. We have a responsibility for our family's sake. I had a friend who was so overtime crazy, making money for his family, that he lost them. First his wife and then his two daughters drifted away, feeling unloved, unappreciated. You see, if you won't meet the needs of your family, there is somebody close by who is more than willing to give it a go. Eventually this family all came to me for help. When Papa finally shut up and began to listen to them, they opened up. Papa, we don't want all that overtime money. We want you. One day, a time management expert addressed a class of business students. He took a five-liter mason jar and filled it with fist-sized rocks. Is this jar fully asked? Yes, they shouted. He emptied a bucket of smaller gravel into the jar. Shaking it, the gravel fell into all the empty spaces. Is this jar now full? Probably not, they answered. He then emptied a bucket of fine beach sand into the jar, into the jar shaking it like before. Is this jar now full? No, they said. So he emptied a jug of water into the jar, filling it to the brim. The time management expert asked the class, what have I just taught you? One answered, um, no matter how full your schedule is, you can always fit something more in. No, he said, that's exactly wrong. What I have taught you is this. If you don't put the big rocks in first, you will never get them in at all. So, beloved, what are the big rocks in your life? Identify them and put them first into your diary. The rest you can fill in around them. Do you have rocks in your diary? Come as lees to become sick and I'll get zelfs ons verder. Welcome back to the Watering Hole. I'm Peter Warren. Having looked briefly at physical rest, we now turn our attention to spiritual rest. As we said before, spiritual rest is a sense of peace and calm that can be found in God and in God alone when we turn to Him. Mark chapter 6 at verse 31. But so many people were coming and going that Jesus and the apostles did not even have a chance to eat. Then Jesus said, Let us go to a place where we can be alone and get some rest. You see, Jesus knew what busy was, with crowds of people clamoring for his attention day and night. How did he cope as a mere man? He withdrew. Sometimes 
We just say, we need to just say, no, I don't have time for it. And get away to a quiet place where we can make sure we are in contact with God and that our relationship with Him is strong. It's in the quiet place that we so often hear God speak. Although He also talks in our busyness, it is just that much harder to hear Him with all the other clamor going on around us. Resting in God basically means that we let go and we let God be God. You be you and let God be God. He knows what you do not know. He sees what you can't see. He can do what you are unable to do. And his timing is perfect every time. He is creator. We are but creation or creatures, if you like. Luke 5.12 While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came to him who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed down with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This leper was obviously desperate, socially outcast, seen as spiritually and physically unclean. He knew his need and he knew that Jesus was his only hope. It was that desperation that put him on his knees, face to the ground before Jesus. Now, beloved, is there something that you are really desperate about? You know, we, both men and women, so often suffer with a tremendously toxic condition called self-sufficiency. I can do it by myself. We think we are totally capable and in no need of help. We believe if we show our need in front of others, we, it will be seen as a weakness. Women believe they can multitask. Well, beloved, no one can multitask. All we are doing is a half job of keeping some balls in the air in a juggling act. And it is not sustainable. The balls will fall every time, sooner or later. But we will not make ourselves vulnerable. The truth of the matter is that we are totally dependent upon God. We are vulnerable. COVID has taught me that I can't even take my next breath for granted. I'm challenged by this Bible passage. When last was I desperate enough to be found on my knees, face to the ground, before Jesus? Maybe, beloved, you and I need to spend some time today in a quiet place with Him, with our faces lowered before the King of Kings. Why wait until all the balls fall to the ground? to acknowledge how much you need him. Maybe you're feeling out in the desert, beloved, like Hagar in Genesis 16, driven by Sarah, Sarai, Abraham's wife, 
into the desert to die. Maybe you feel, beloved, God can't see you dying of thirst. Your baby about to die. Maybe you think God has lost your cell number, lost your IP address. Luke 4, chapter 1. When Jesus returned from the Jordan River, the power of the Holy Spirit was with him, and the Spirit led him into the desert. The Spirit led him into the desert. Wilderness, or so-called desert experiences, can actually be very good for us. Jesus, at the start of his ministry, was strengthened in his resolve in the wilderness. The enemy certainly attacked him there, but he fought back, quoting the promises in God's word. But it is clear that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into that situation for a good reason. Maybe for preparation for what was to come in the years ahead. In the same way, we must not fight against our wilderness season. We need to embrace the wilderness, resting in God that He knows the why of it all, and that this season, His season, like all seasons, will pass. We need to focus rather on finding what the Lord wants us to learn how he wants us to grow in this season. Like in any storm of life, we must look for and find Jesus in the storm. In doing so, we will grow in strength and in purpose. And most of all, our character will be formed and fashioned. We need desert times. Moses spent 40 years tending sheep in the back of the desert, after murdering a man, before God could make him a leader for 40 years in the desert. One thing I've learned over the years is that a wilderness experience usually precedes God asking me to do something if I embrace the wilderness challenge. In the deserts of Israel, before a long trek to another part of the country, like the Bedouin shepherds do, the shepherds chase their fat, comfortable sheep into the wilderness for a season to get fit. There's a picture. I believe, beloved, that if you embrace your wilderness season in a positive way, God will use it extensively to fashion and shape you for the task ahead, for the season coming. Let's listen to some more music. Welcome back by the water gat. Ek is Peter Warren and you is ingeskakel op Ad Radio. We are talking about rest and leisure, rus and ontspanning. Now we look a little at eternal rest. The final rest for believers comes when they fall asleep in Jesus in death. They then experience that communion and closeness 
with Jesus that far exceeds the communion they ever experienced with him on earth, a heavenly rest, an eternal rest. Hebrews 4, chapter 1, uh, 4, verse 1. Therefore, a promise being left to enter into his rest, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to come short of it. For also we have had the gospel preached as well as them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Speaking of those who were in the desert and fell and died in the desert. Even as they, we have the same gospel and our word received needs to be mixed with faith. Fear, yeah, doesn't mean you should continually live in fear and doubt whether you will end up saved after all this perseverance. To fear does not mean to be afraid of God, but rather to be afraid of yourself, of your own weakness and of your own wicked and sinful heart. If you fear God, you will take to heart the warnings that are made to Israel, that you will not follow them in their ways of unbelief. Hebrews chapter 4 is an awesome chapter to read on the rest of God. However, if you think you will achieve the final goal by your own power in your own strength, it simply means you have no confidence in God and you live independently of Him. Though, if you completely trust in God for entering God's rest, you will undoubtedly enter His rest at last. Mistrusting yourself and trusting in God are the proof that you have the new life in Christ. This rest is nothing new in itself. The rest that you will enter exists from the beginning. The first time rest is spoken about in the Bible is in connection with the day of God's rest on the seventh day that followed the six days of creation. In that rest, God intended man to partake of the same. But sin disturbed that rest. Therefore, a new work from God was necessary. In John chapter 5, verse 17, to be able to give and to enjoy a new rest. God cannot rest where there is sin. God's rest came to an end through the fall of man. But the Son of God has taken care of a new rest. God is resting in the work that His Son fulfilled on the cross. And so should we as believers. God did not rest because He was tired. God rested because He stepped back and had a look favorably on what He had created. Hebrews 4, chapter 9, verse 9. So then, there remains a rest to the people of God. For he who has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. This rest of God, this eternal rest, is for all the fallen asleep believers, 
from the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is the millennial kingdom of peace when Christ will reign over all things in heaven and on earth. Ephesians 1 verse 10 The rest of the millennial kingdom is still to come, both for the heavenly people of God, for the church, and for God's earthly people, Israel. Hebrews 4 verse 10 tells us that we will rest from our works. He who dies in faith enters into the rest of God and rests from his works. These works are not the works of earning salvation. These works are the good works planned by God in advance for us to walk in. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 and Hebrews 4 at verse 11 in order to achieve the rest of God you have to persevere unto the end. The faith of the Hebrews was weakened by their continual trials through which the coming rest faded more and more. Beloved, we don't speak enough about heaven. We don't look enough to that glorious day when we see him face to face and he takes us by the hand and leads us into the promised land. And therefore they were exposed to the danger of changing, swapping the life of faith for a rest that seems to be an apparent rest on earth. And that's why the writer to the Hebrews appeals to them and to us to be diligent to enter the promised rest which is still to come. Take care, beloved. Be careful. Be alert. Be watchful. Be prayerful. Be holy. As we come to a time of prayer now, I want to encourage you. Never mind where you are. Maybe you're not good on physical rest, eh? Maybe you're not good on stress management. Maybe you've let chasing after earthly riches become too important to you. Maybe you're struggling in the area of spiritual rest, of letting go and letting God. Maybe you're still fighting with God. Maybe you're still trying to stay in charge. Maybe you won't give him access to every room in the house of your life. Give him the keys to every single room. Let him go in and open the window and draw the curtains and let the light and the fresh air come in. In every room. He will identify a puffada in a corner. He will identify leaven in a drawer. He will deal with stuff. If you will allow him. And maybe you, your eyes have dropped a bit from, from that reward, that rich reward of eternal rest with God. I remember again Bill Gator's wife speaking about 
how she ministers to dying people in hospices. And she said, I just sit and hold their hand on this side until Jesus takes it on that side. And you know, beloved, there will come a time if you are fortunate enough, you will be lying on your deathbed looking into the eyes of your beloved. And then your eyes just for a second will close and you'll open them and the dust of your death will clear. And you'll look into the eyes of Jesus. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What a glorious day that will be. When my Savior, I will see. I will look into the face of the one who saved me by his grace. And he will take me by the hand and lead me to the promised land. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. Beloved, be strengthened by these things. We're going to pray now. And where you're at, God will meet you there. At your point of need, at your point of failure, at your point of missing the boat, even at your point of success and joy. Use your joy to help other people in need. If you are blessed with resources, spread it. Spread it. Don't be a dam that uh, gathers everything together. Be a river that flows. God will bless you with more and more and He will keep connect wider, wider pipes of flowing You'll see. If he can trust you with the little, he will entrust to you the much. Make a life-changing decision today. Invite the Lord to come and help you. But more than anything, thank him for what he is going to do in answer to your prayer today. Your life can change with just one prayer time. I remind you, you were not designed for defeat. You were designed for victory and overcoming. Kom ons luister vir ou laas bykie musiek. So, beloved, physical rest, spiritual rest, and finally, eternal rest in Jesus after passing from this world. Questions. Are you having the quality times that you should? Are the rocks in place in your diary? When last were you desperate enough 
on your knees, face down before Jesus? Have you embraced your wilderness season? Have you found Jesus in it yet? Are you in danger of swapping the life of faith for the easy way out of what seems to be rest on earth? And my friend, if you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and King, you can fix that today. I encourage you, go and sit there quietly and have a chat with him. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you can ask him if he's real to reveal himself to you in a way that you'll know it's him. And you need to tell him some stuff about your life. Tell him you've been living your life your way because you didn't know how to live it his way, but that you want that to change today. And you need to forgive yourself for having reacted the way you did to life's hurts. You need to forgive every single person that has betrayed you or hurt you. And you need to forgive God for the things that you've accused him for when it wasn't him at all. You need to ask God to forgive him, to forgive you. You can say things like, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead and you come in again to fetch your bride. I want to be part of your bride when you fetch us. And so would you save me today? Come into my life as my Savior and as my King, as my Lord, as my Master. And will you give me the identity and the life purpose and destiny that you created me for. Heal me, God. Make me whole, body, soul, and spirit. And now, beloveds, all of us, let us thank Father God for his answers to these prayers. We thank you, our Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you hear every word of our prayer. And thank you that you answer our every prayer. Help us to have the quality times, to put rocks in place, to realize how much we need you, and to fall on our face before you in desperation. Let us not be too proud and self-sufficient. Help us to embrace our tough times of training and desert. Show us the way through. And strengthen us, Lord, that we don't throw in the towel on our walk with you. Thank you for saving us and for writing our name in your book of life.
We bless you now. Father, in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Daar sy geliefdes, vleit vleit, my story is weer uit. Dankie dat jylle weer by my gekeier het, jy by die water gaat. Volgende keer, hooplik, gaan jy koffie en boerbestuid saambring. Ek is baie lief vir lemon creams, jy kan een pakkie lemon creams saambring. Dis by de woon wat groet, tot die volgende keer, lekker dag verder, sterkte daar. En remember, you write in the last chapter of your life. Go for it with all you have. God bless you.